Well, guys, we are in week four. This is, this is our launch week. We've made it. I know it's been a, a, a long couple weeks. I know for young adults, this is uh, early, 9 a.m., so I appreciate you guys sticking it out and uh, getting plugged into community. And I, I'm just so proud of you guys. As I look around the room, I truly do see people that could change this world, and I mean that. So I'm so excited to uh, have you guys here this morning. Um, but look around at your table. The, these are going to be your people. For the next 12 months, you're committing to doing life with these people. And, and that's exciting, but we still have one more thing to unpack. We're going to unpack that third question this morning and our final core value. And I don't know about you guys, but I am super excited for football season. This is our year, and we've been saying that for the last 25 years, but this is our year, I'm telling you, that we can do it this year. And I don't know if you, if you follow the Chiefs at all, but they're, they're up in St. Joe right now, and they're doing two-a-days, they're, they're, they're practicing all the time, they're strategizing, trying to figure out what, is, what are we going to do to make sure that this is our year. And Mahomes, he's the reigning MVP, and, and Tyreek Hill, the guy is so fast, it's like ridiculous. Travis Kelsey, he just got voted the best tight end in the NFL. They got all these weapons, right? They have all these weapons, and they're up there they're strategizing. Andy Reid still doesn't know how to use his timeouts, but he's figuring it out. Um, and uh, so they're getting a plan to get together. But think about this for a second this morning. How, how crazy would this be? If at their first game they show up and Mahomes runs out on the field and he huddles the guys up and they're standing around and, and Mahomes is down and he's like, man, Tyreek, you are fast, bro. You are so fast. He looks at Kelsey and he's like, man, number one tight end. You're the man. I, I was reading in the playbook this week and I don't know if you've read page 43, but man, there's some good stuff on there. And then sure enough, the referee throws this flag, delay a game, delay a game. If you wait too long in the huddle, you got to take five yards back. So they're like, well, that's all right. So they take five yards back. And at this point, Andy's like, what are we doing? And Mahomes comes back together and he gets them in together. And he's like, well, man, remember last season, what happened? That was crazy. And then sure enough, five more yards. And this keeps going on. And this keeps going on. See, it sounds silly, right? Like we would just come together and we'd huddle up. And they're just talking about things, but they're not using it. They're not using what they've been training. So you guys, you're, you're coming together as a community so that you can be sent and not just stay in a huddle. See, if our group, we never break and we never go on the offensive and we never engage the defense, we're a dead church and we're a dead community group. And I share that this morning because God wants us to break the huddle and he wants us to, to go and engage the world missionally. And that's our last core value, engage missionally. And see, this was Jesus' plan all along, that we would go and we would engage the world with what he's shown us, right? See, if you have a Bible, open it up to John 21. John 21 is where we're going to be, and I'm going to be talking about one of the MVPs of Christianity, and he, he's bold, he's courageous, and he's the man 
among the disciples. And his name's Peter. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, let me get you up to speed with who Peter is. He's one of the 12 disciples. And when we look at his life, he's kind of just reckless. He's pretty unpredictable with what he's going to do. See, but Peter, he comes to this crucial point in his life. He has this interaction with Jesus. And this is after he denies Jesus three times. See, but if we rewind at the, the Last Supper, Jesus is sitting there and he looks at Peter and he says, I've been praying for your faith, Peter. And Peter, being the reckless guy he is, he's like, you don't need to pray for me, I'm good. And, and Jesus is like, well, actually, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, what? I'm not going to deny you. Sure enough, when they come to get Jesus, side note, Peter cuts a dude's ear off, which is just doesn't have anything to do with what I'm saying, but it's just kind of funny to read. Jesus comes over, heals him. He's like, sorry about that guy, and takes him away. And Jesus goes to the cross, and sure enough, Jesus was right. He denies him three times. Jesus dies on the cross, resurrects, and that's where we're going to pick up in John 21, verse 15. And look what it says here. And everything changes after this is said. John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He's talking about the fish there. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep sheep. Anytime the Bible uses a repetition of three times, it's giving us an ultimatum. See, it's really clear what Jesus wants in the believer's life. Jesus is calling Peter to do something with his faith. He's calling all of us in this room to do the same thing, to feed his sheep. So the final question you're going to be asked in community, how are you feeding others this week? And maybe you're sitting in here and you're new to the faith and you're asking yourself, why do I need to feed people spiritually? And that's point number one. Why do we need to feed others spiritually? And what the Bible says, and ask yourself this question, do you really believe that everyone lives somewhere forever? Do you believe that? And if the answer is yes, Someone's going somewhere forever. The scripture makes it clear that we are born separated from God. When you were born, you were were born separated from God. And here's the thing. In order to get us back together with God, you have to have a relationship with Jesus. And the only way to get that out, we are God's plan A. He's entrusted his people to share the good news. See, he sent his son to bridge the gap between man and God. And a lot of people, 
you're aware of the Great Commission. You've heard Matthew 28. You're like, yeah, Luke, I know. I know the, the Great Commission. And, and I'll, I'll read it. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Did you guys know that there's four other Great Commission texts? See, Jesus, after he died and resurrected, he was on earth for 40 days. Okay? Write this down. 40 days. In those 40 days, there's 35 red-letter verses. Of those red-letter verses, verses that Jesus said, how many of those verses do you think involved the Great Commission? It's 15. Almost half of everything that Jesus said that's recorded in the Bible is a Great Commission in his last 40 days. He's given us really clear direction in this playbook called the Bible, what we're supposed to do. So it begs this question to all of us in here, including myself, who are we feeding? Who are you feeding? Because the directions, they're clear. And why do we need to feed others? Man, it grows you. And what I've learned sharing my faith is very few things grow my faith like sharing with others. And I know this personally, since I've been following Christ, I've been given this conviction to share my faith. And every time I share my faith, I'm challenged to understand the gospel more. It, it doesn't make sense. Like, why would he come die for us? Like, well, he loved us. Like, he loves you that much that he's willing to take on your sin? Don't act like you understand that. That doesn't make sense. This world doesn't understand that. See, one of my favorite things to see is people go through unashamed, and this happens every time in the training. They're really nervous, and they go through the unashamed training, and they're just like, holy cow, we're going to have to go share the gospel with people, and we're all nervous going to do this. And then after the unashamed weekend, they come back, and it was their favorite thing. They're like, man, I shared with this guy on the plaza, and and he didn't even come to Christ, but just the fact that I stepped out, I'm just so fired up for Jesus, and it happens every time. See, there's very few things that grow your faith, like sharing your faith. So, this asks, so now you're asking yourself this question, how are we going to feed others? So point number two, how do we feed others? We feed others by sharing the gospel. If you don't know how to share the gospel, listen to me. Lean in, don't miss this. If you don't know how to share the gospel, that's the first thing you need to do as a community group. You need to figure out how to share the gospel so that we would come together, we'd answer these three questions, but we also wouldn't leave without a plan on how to share the gospel. I think there's, there's several reasons why we wouldn't walk this out and share with the people that we love the gospel, but let me just throw out one. And this is one that I'm a, I'm very accustomed to, it's that it's just kind of awkward. It's just kind of awkward. I remember the first two guys that I shared the gospel with were my teammates. And I was so set on sharing with these guys. I learned how to share the gospel bridge the night before over FaceTime. And I wake up the next day and I'm flying out and I'm like, I don't care how awkward it's going to get. I'm sharing the gospel with these two guys. And I sit down at this dinner table and we're in an air-conditioned house, y'all. And these guys are sweating because I'm making them so uncomfortable. And I'm sweating too. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm really saying, but I'm just fired up and Jesus changed my life. And do you want to follow him too? 
And they're just like, what is going on? And, and sometimes it holds us back. But God uses awkward conversations. And those guys, they haven't thrown me to the side. They still talk to me this, to this day. So God uses these awkward conversations. Another, another way we can share or, or another way we can feed others is to tell them what Christ has done in our life. Sometimes we think we have to present the gospel in a compelling way, and sometimes the most compelling thing you can do is just tell them what's happened in your own life. And I see this all the time, and people feed me with this sometimes. They come up to me, and they just start sharing their story with me. I met a guy named Jacob at the lake day we did through Paradigm, and he comes up to me, and me and this guy could not look any more different. He comes up to me, and he shares what God has done in his life. And man, I left this lake day so fired up because I'm like, man, if God can do that in that guy's life, he can do it in my brother's life. He can do it in my mom's life, my dad's life, everyone that I love. So when people come up to me and they share the story of life change, it encourages me. And the last way we're going to feed people is we're going to invest the word of God into other people. And this looks differently for different people, but... We all know, or I hope that you guys know someone in your life that whenever they talk about the Bible, man, it's just different. You're like, this guy oozes the Bible. I don't know if you guys know this guy named Ed, who's a part of Abundant Life, but when you talk about the Bible with Ed, it's just different. Because he's, he's invested so much time into reading God's Word, it oozes out of this guy. It freely comes off his lip his lips and it's the same thing like he just spends so much time with God it's so easy for him to replicate it and to feed others with what he's been learning in the same way whenever whenever I talk about my wife I love to talk about her why I spend time with her see the natural expression of us getting to know someone better is we talk about them See, how are you going to talk about somebody that you don't even know? So you got to know him first. So, so there's a couple different ways you can feed others with the Bible. Maybe it looks like you're just starting a Bible study at, at where you work. Or maybe it looks like just going down to um, City Union Mission and leading a Bible study down there. See, it's not always just sharing the gospel, guys. It's not just sharing your testimony. It's not even just sharing the Word of God. It should be all of these. This is how we feed others. Guys, God entered the pages of history in the form of a man named Jesus. And when we don't tell others about this man, we're silently saying we don't care about their eternity. And here's the reality, guys. People don't know this, and we think they do. You're looking at a guy who did not know that Jesus died for his sins until someone cared enough about me to tell me. Nobody, nobody told me. We can't assume that we're, you know, we're a couple hours north of the Bible Belt that everybody knows what the gospel is. They don't. Not everybody knows that Jesus died for their sins, that he was fully God, fully man. His death on the cross was enough to pay for your sins. So how do we feed others? 
is the question. And if you're uncomfortable sharing, let me, let me make you aware of something. A member of our church, he just made this app. We'll go ahead and write this down. It's called My Share Pal. My Share Pal. And, and all this app does, it takes someone through the gospel with questions. It's not an illustration, but it just asks these questions. And as you take someone through these questions, it reveals them their own sinfulness, the answer to the sinfulness, and their response. And I'd be ignorant to stand up here and think the only reason that we don't share is because we don't have an app. The thing is, some of the most equipped people are the least obedient. Some of the most equipped people are the least obedient. Question number three, or point number three, what does it look like in community? See, it's easy to hide behind this question and just not do it. So we have to ask it. How are you feeding others? See, the reason why we share Christ in community isn't just because, well, I know he's going to ask me this week, so I'm going to go share with this guy. No, that's not, that's not why we share Christ. We try to share Christ because whenever we see people the way God sees them, our heart is burdened for them, and we have to share what he's done for them. And what we love, guys, we're going to talk about. And I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I spent some time on the East Coast in Virginia in college. And while I was out there, I joined this community group. I think they maybe called it something different. I can't remember exactly, but I showed up. And this was a different speed. Like, this is a different speed in here, right? Like, you're not just sitting in the, sta- or in the stands. Like, you're trying to get in the game. Like, you're saying, all right, I want to get into people's lives. And I'm walking up to this house, and I'm like, oh, man, this is a different speed. What am I walking into? I've never seen anything like this. And I walk in, and I'm the youngest guy in here by, like, I'm not exaggerating 30 years. And I'm like, what did I just get into? There's little kids running around. And, and I sit down, and this guy comes up to me, and I start to tell him everything I read that week. I'm just so fired up. I've been following Christ for, like, two months. I'm telling him all this stuff I'm reading and this guy's looking at me like, what's the deal with this guy? And I start to share with him. I'm like, man, I got these two teammates that I'm, I'm sharing the gospel with. And he's looking at me like this. And I, I go on probably for like 15 minutes. Just I'm on fire. And I look up and everyone's in this circle now. And they're looking at me like, well, we're going to start community now. And I'm like, oh, all right. And they proceed to just do a Bible study. And I went to this, this group for like two or three months, and they never talked about anything, how it applied to their life. They never talked about anyone they were sharing with. It's crazy. Imagine Jesus, he sends out his disciples, all 12. He says, all right, guys, now go. Get out there. Go do it. And they go, and the day goes on, and they come back at night, and they come back to Jesus, and Jesus is like, how'd it go? They're like, it went great. Man, we got together on the other side of that lake over there, and man, we just talked about what you said the other day. It was so good. And and we got together, and we just talked about, man, all that stuff you did that one time, it was crazy, man. And they just share about how they sat around and talked about his teaching to each other, but they never broke and applied it. They never shared anything with anyone. See, what we celebrate, guys, we replicate. 
So whenever someone in your group shares that they've been feeding others, we shouldn't be like, okay, and what about you? No, we need to celebrate that person. And I'm just going to read you a text between Chad and I this week. He's down in, in Houston on vacation, and he texted me, and he said, trip was good. Hey, I sat next to this guy who grew up in the faith, but he's now an atheist. I was able to share Christ along with other truth with him. His name's Jeff. If you think about it, pray for him. Pretty sad story. I said, dang, I'll pray for him. Way to step out and ask those hard questions. I know it never gets easy, man, praying for, for Jeff. And I just shared with him, you know, what, who I've been sharing with. I said, I got to share with this homie who came to get my, my keys out of my car. I locked my keys in my car, and he should be at Paradigm this Tuesday. Pretty cool how God orchestrates these conversations. And it's this cool thing where me and Chad are like encouraging each other. And I, I, I'm not just saying like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, share with him. Like, no, I'm like, it never gets easier. A guy who stands up on stage for an hour every week, it never gets easy. So we have to encourage each other whenever somebody shows up and, and they've, they've shared with someone. So, but what do we do if we're not feeding others? And you should have talked about this at your table, but there should be someone that is in charge of serving, or they're, they're your missions person. And that person should be fostering opportunities to engage missionally. So you guys, we need to assign someone the, the responsibility to make sure that your community owns this. And I don't know if everybody's aware of this, but on Monday Monday nights, people who come to our church for the first time, we go and we knock on their doors and we introduce ourselves. If your community group's struggling to share the gospel or share their testimony or feed others, your group needs to sign up for this. That you would show up to someone's house, you knock on their door and you just say, hey, how's it going? I'm Luke. I'm part of Abundant Life. I know that you, sh- you showed up this week. What an easy layup. Like, you, you're walking into their, their life, and, and they're letting you in, and you get to share what Christ has done in your life. See, whatever we do, guys, whatever we do after this Sunday, don't miss this. Don't be a group that never breaks the huddle, okay? Don't be the group that never breaks your own comfort zone. A church that never breaks the huddle is a dead church. Our prayer, guys, is that we would walk out authentic, biblical community that leads to spiritual transformation. So guys, that is our sixth core value. We, we've gone through all of them now. I'm going to rattle these off. It's devote daily, pursue relationally, live authentically, admonish faithfully, counsel biblically, and engage missionally. Guys, we believe that these six core values, they'll give you the framework to have biblical community. And when we come together and we ask ourselves these three questions, how are you feeding your spirit? How are you failing to crucify your flesh? And how are you feeding others? We can walk out what the Bible says and what Christ calls us to. We're going to transition back into our table times here for a few minutes. Before I do that, I want to say this, guys. 
And I said it at the beginning, but as I look over this room, I see people that truly can change the world. I mean it. Like, look at me. How different would your family, your workplace, Kansas City, the state of Missouri, the country, and the world look if you applied this book to your life? We would literally change the world. It's what he calls us to, guys. Jesus calls us a light. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, I want to read this to you guys. And this is our prayer. That if we walk out biblical community, we walk out the six core values, we ask each other these questions, we can change the world. Look what Jesus says. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me pray that we'd walk out this book. Father, thank you so much for this morning. I pray that we would be community groups that would break the huddle and apply this book to our lives, that we would do everything that you've called us to because you paid the price, a price that we could never pay. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So we're gonna go back into this table discussion. Your facilitator has some questions there that they're gonna walk you through about um, this talk. But thanks so much, guys. All right, guys, we're gonna wrap up our discussion for a little bit and change gears. And I'm gonna talk about 10 ways to strengthen your community group. And right now we're all super excited. We're like, we're kicking it off strong and that's awesome. And I'm sure you are. And so I just wanna give you some um, just ideas that we've learned throughout the years from different community groups of ways that they've, um, just ideas that they found that have really helped them gain the traction that they need. And so it's important for you to know now, but even just in the months to come as you guys launch your groups. And so um, as Luke was saying, our goal of community is to connect people in authentic relationships that lead to spiritual transformation. And the only way we can do that is with some real intentionality. And we like to say here that community is forged, not found. And so to live out these values, we have to put some effort into it. And so I'm just going to walk through our top 10 ideas, which you have at your tables too. The first is to go on a retreat. And I know hopefully you guys started thinking about that, thinking of weekends that works, worked best for you. And I want you to know that um, you will gain so much more in a, a day-long, two-day-long retreat with your group than you would in like 15 group meetings. The amount of time that you're going to be together, I mean, you know, it's the real you. Like, no makeup, I'm in my PJs, I'm, you know, whatever you guys decide to do, the time is really, really valuable. And those shared experiences you're going to remember, those memories are going to last, and you're going to always look back and say, like, do you remember that one time that so-and-so jumps into the lake because he lost a game of Farkle or whatever? <laughs> you're going to be able to laugh and have those um, memories the second thing to strengthen your group is to serve together. One of our core values at Abundant Life is that changed people serve people. And so we want to be a group that isn't just receiving and, um, you know, ingesting everything, but we want to be a group that gives. And so when you serve together, your relationships 
grow stronger also. The third thing is to have in-town fun nights. And this works whether you have some money to spend or you're rolling on a budget. There are so many fun things in Kansas City to do. Go um, play chicken and pickle, go to Top Golf, go bowling, have a game night. Um, and what's so important about this time is that you're not just spending time, but you're investing it. These are people that I care about and I want to um, just give my time to. And so the fourth one is regular communication. The healthiest groups are the ones that interact regularly with each other outside of their weekly meeting time. And this is so true. We see this in all of our relationships, that you're typically closer to the people that you talk to. And, um, and we need to know what's going on in each other's lives, not just on my group meet Sunday nights. And so I don't want to just find everything every Sunday night, but I want to know those things throughout the week so that our time isn't just spent catching up because I already know what's happening. The fifth thing is to pray together, and this might seem like a no-brainer, but it's kind of hard, and it might not be the first thing that we think of, but one of my favorite things about community and just reflecting on the past year that my group and I have had together is seeing how God has answered um, things that we've prayed for together, whether that's someone finding the victory in a sin struggle or getting that new job or just clarity and life and direction is just it has built our faith and our relationships as we've looked back and seen wow God has done this through us and in us and he's going to do it again and so it really has brought us so much closer together um the sixth thing is to be spontaneous I live spontaneously nothing is planned in my life so my group has grown in this area but um in addition to the planned communication, there is so much power in just, hey, I'm up at Post Coffee for the next couple of hours. Who wants to join me? Or, hey, who wants to go play sand volleyball tonight? Um, it's just fun, and it builds our group. It's valuable. Uh, the seventh thing is to memorize scripture together. Um, we, my group, we've done this for um, the past year, and we make it so fun by picking a verse and just adding on every week, or each person has a different passage that they're memorizing, and we like quiz each other on it, and so we want to be people that have, that have God's word in our hearts, um, and it just helps us know God's word in a deeper way. The eighth thing is to be involved. Nothing says I care about you quite like showing up to the things that matter to the people in your group. So if you're a high school coach, go to their game. Or if you're a business owner, go shop at their market. If you're a cycling teacher, I'll go to your class even if I, I'll need an oxygen mask right afterwards. Or, you know, if, if I'm getting baptized or graduating, be there. And so what you're really saying when you do this is that this matters to you, and so it matters to me, and your relationships will grow stronger. The ninth thing is to ask intentional questions. We all want to get beneath the surface, but... Um, sometimes we don't really know how, and it really is an art of asking good questions. And so not just settling with superficial answers or like, you know, how are you doing? Like, oh, I'm good. But like, no, how are you really doing? Or if someone's telling me that they're really bogged down by anxiety, I'd be like, well, why? Or, you know, what was your childhood like? Which you're like, what does that have to do with my anxiety? But it probably does. Or I'm really fearful in Ask, answering this third question of how, how are you feeding other people? I have a lot of fear in this. Well, let's talk about why. Why do you, what makes you afraid? Or how can you, um, what truth do you need to believe about 
that fear that you have. And so asking intentional questions um, that really reveals other people's hearts is super, super important. Um, and then the last thing is to break the rhythm. Um, this is, it's really easy to hear through these last four weeks of Group Connect that, okay, we're going to meet every week, we're going to, yeah, be really robotic, we're going to eat together, then we're going to ask these three questions, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to go home and leave. And we get in that rhythm, and um, we get really mechanical. And so we don't want to we don't want to be that way. And so we need to know what our needs are as a group. Like if we're getting pretty self-absorbed and self-centered, let's go out and serve. Let's t use our group time to go to the city and minister to homeless people. Or if we're really weary, let's just go take this night and go out to dinner or go bowling. Or, you know, if we need to change the scenery, let's go meet at a fun coffee shop. Wow. I was going to say coffee shop, but then I was thinking of Cafe Equinox because my group went there last week, and so I just made a new word. Um, and so it's really good to, to just break it up and um, just remember that we're people. We have a method for how we run community, but we don't have to die by it. And so there is so much flexibility. I know we're, like, really intense with, like, the structure. This is what it looks like. This is, what, this is who you need to be, but there is so much flexibility in it. And you guys can make your group your own. And so at the end of the day, the moral of my spiel is that you're going to get out of group what you put into group. We're going to reap what we sow. And so um, I hope this list helps you and hope you're able to refer back to these in the weeks and months to come. And so now we're going to come back together and discuss these things of what makes us excited about any of the things I listed or if you guys have any ideas of your own. I'd love to know. We can build this list together. And then Luke's gonna close us out. So, thanks. All right, guys, I wanna bring us back together here real quick. Just got a few final thoughts, and then we will, we'll be done for the morning. So let me bring us back in, and uh, we'll wrap up and be done. Um, I was thinking the other day about all the silly stuff that we learned growing up in elementary school. For, for example, like, is anybody in here using long division? One person is using long division. I think that's a table of teachers. It's like a table of teachers. So, like, you learn how to do long division. We learn how to use, like, a protractor. Is anybody using a protractor? Right. How many people did their taxes this year? Everybody pretty much did their taxes, right? But we don't learn how to do our taxes. And one of the things we don't learn is how to handle conflict, right? So look at me. If you're not looking at me, look at me. Turn your chair and look at me. Conflict is gonna happen in your group, okay? That's not a bad thing. The way we view it is super important. When we look at conflict as a good thing, then we'll see growth because of conflict. If we look at conflict as a way to grow, then it'll be a good thing. And, and just an acronym I use for people is don't be a weenie, okay? Don't be a weenie, and this is what it means. The W stands for withdraw. So I'm a withdrawer. I just pretend that conflict doesn't happen. We're just gonna put it in the corner of the room and pretend it's not there, okay? So that, that, that's one, withdraw. The E is escalate, 
okay? This is the person, it doesn't take long to figure out that they're an escalator, okay? The problem becomes just this huge issue and they're going to overpower you. And then there's the end, the negative interpreter. So everything that you said that you thought in the conflict in their mind, they're just like, yeah, you're a liar and that you didn't meant to do that to me and I hate you. And, uh, and then you have the I, the invalidator. And this person is always good with their words and they flip it. They're, they're so good at like flipping it on you. And then you go to them about the conflict and then next thing you know, you're praying for you because we need to pray for you and it's actually your fault. So it's super good to know these things whenever you come into community. And whenever we handle it like a weenie, we're going to have more problems. We should not handle our conflict this way. The way we should handle conflict, we should go to that person one-on-one. Did everybody hear that? Go to that person one-on-one and tell them the issue. Tell them how it made you feel and ask them, um, is that what you meant, okay? So I, I don't want to ignore that. That's just something we need to talk about. Conflict is not a bad thing, but how we handle it determines the success of our groups. And I just wanted to share that because it, it, it's coming for every group in here. The only place that conflict isn't present is at a cemetery. At a cemetery. Um, let me just finish with this thought real quick. And I look around here and I see these groups that are about to launch. And the first question we asked is who needs community? Remember that first week, who needs community? And the answer is the follower of Christ. And Jesus, he asks this question in the Gospel of John. It's his first recorded words. And it's a question that says, what do you want? And as we look around, we should all want to be more like Christ. And you're taking steps in this room to be more like him. And he asks, what do you want? And this is actually how he gets his first two disciples. And he says, come and see. And they follow Jesus and they come and they find out that actually come and see actually meant to come and die. Because in Luke 9.23, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me daily. So they actually thought, come and see, we're going to figure out what this guy's all about. And for him to say, you have to take up your cross would be me like, looking at a guy and like, well, if you want me to disciple you, you have to be willing to get in the electric chair. It's like, whoa, this guy's crazy. They find this out really quick that this is the real deal, but we have to be willing to do whatever it takes to follow Christ. And as I look out over this room, I see people that are doing whatever it takes. They're willing to get uncomfortable for a little bit, get to know people. At the expense of their own comfort, they want to become more like Christ. And I'm so proud of you guys. And in Acts 1.8, Jesus, it's his last words before he ascends into heaven, he uses this word witness. And this word witness in the Greek, it means martyr. He says, if, if you want to follow me, you have to be willing to die for me. And, and I don't think any of us are going to get stabbed this week for following Christ. But I do see people that are willing to sacrifice their comfort and they're willing to lay down their own desires and they're 9 a.m. for four weeks, and this is your first step of obedience. So I'm so thankful that we have a room full of world changers that want to follow Christ. Let me pray for your guys' groups, and this is all we got. Feel free to hang around for a little bit, um, but I'm so thankful for you guys. Father, thank you so much for this group of men and women. I pray that you would 
do a work in them that would only be because of you. God, thank you for how your word lays out what it means to be in biblical community. God, I just pray that we would walk this out. Pray that you would give us boldness this week to share who you are. Pray that we would be authentic, that we'd take off our mask. God, that we wouldn't just show up and throw our trash on the table and and not want to change our ways, but we would truly want to repent and that we would be bold enough to admonish one another faithfully, that we would point them to the Word of God, that we would counsel biblically. And Father, I just pray that we would pursue one another relationally. And God, I just thank you so much for sending your Son who paid the price of death that we deserve. And I pray that that message, the gospel, would be what gives us endurance for the rest of our life to run after you. In Christ's name I pray, amen.